for those of you who were here last week, I was, I was uh, telling you that we were excited this morning to have a guest speaker with us, which is fantastic. I was telling you that um, uh, some of you will remember that uh, earlier on in the year, I, I'd been invited by Tear Fund. Tear Fund are long-standing good friends of ours. We love the work that they're doing as an organization. And Tear Fund had invited me and some other vineyard pastors to go out to India and to Nepal and to see the work that they were doing there, uh, particularly um, around anti-trafficking. Um, there's a huge trafficking, uh, particularly child trafficking, uh, situation and, and, and challenge between the borders of Nepal and, uh, and uh, India. Um, and so we went to Mumbai, spent some time in Mumbai seeing uh, the devastating effects really of um, sex trafficking uh, and um, then went up to Nepal and saw some of the work, the fantastic work that Tear Fund's partners are doing, particularly in educating um, children of some of the, uh, the risks associated um, because they're so vulnerable, particularly in wake of the earthquake that happened a year ago in April. Uh, so we have been praying as a, as, a, as a church for a long time about how the Lord would really want us to step into and press into, particularly international mission. As a church, we're called to uh, be the church across southwest London uh, through central celebration like this and through local mission, through all the things that you guys, so many of you are doing in your local communities. But we also want to see how we can be a blessing to uh, those further afield and fulfill the mandate of, of um, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when the Spirit of God comes upon you, the Spirit will come upon you in power and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria to the very ends of the earth. And how do we do that? And so we've been talking with Tear Fund for a while and um, uh, we're, we're sensing that the Lord is speaking and calling us to some kind of partnership with uh, the work that is going on in Nepal. And so we were excited this morning that a chap from Nepal, one of the, the partners there, was coming to speak, a chap called Dan Raj. Uh, sadly, uh, we got an email this week telling us that um, Dan Raj was having to cancel his trip. So Dan Raj uh, sadly isn't here this morning. He's not going to be speaking. Um, and the reason for that is because I think there'd been some um, media re reporting of the organization of which he, uh, he kind of heads that up um, around the fact of that they'd been preaching the gospel. And uh, in Nepal, that's uh, not something that you get away with very easily. Uh, it's something that is um, a challenge. And so he felt, rightly so, I think, that it was more important that he stayed behind and uh, sorted things out. So... Again, just another reminder of the freedoms that we have here and the freedoms that we take, we so easily take for granted, that we're free to gather together as the Church of Christ and we gather, we're free to gather and to, um, to preach the gospel. And in so many parts of the world, that's not the case. Don Raj isn't here, but we're absolutely delighted that Jamie Farman from Tear Fund is. <laughs> Jamie, why don't you come and join me? Where is he? Ladies and gentlemen, Jamie Farman... Who's actually a bit of a rock star. Oh, you can tell. Like, you can tell. Like, he's got that rock star. And now, Jamie, uh, we've been chatting for a while now over various different things. Um, Jamie, and, uh, Jamie was on the trip uh, to Nepal and to uh, India. We spent an interesting night in a little mountain. Tucked up in bed. Tucked up in bed. Like we were literally tucked up we in were bed. Literally we, were, we were tucked up in bed. It was very sweet. Uh, I'm sure Jamie would say that. It was... Um, we were on a mountainside in the, in the Himalayas, and um, I was slightly nervous about the fact that uh, 
they have quite a lot of earthquakes in Nepal. And so I wasn't quite sure, because it was absolutely pitch black, what was going to happen if there was an earthquake. I wouldn't know which way was up. So I had gone to sleep slightly anxious about this. And about 3 o'clock in the morning, there was like proper rumbling. Like, <laughs> like the earth was shaking right by my head. Like 3 o'clock in the morning, I just sat bolt up over it. I was like convinced there was an earthquake, and I was ready to kick into gear all my tear fund earthquake preparation council. It was actually a lorry that was driving past uh, on the road. Um, but I was, I, I'd was be properly trained. It was terrifying, wasn't it? It was a really frightening yeah, stand moment. with me. Help me. It was frightening. As was the chicken that and was sleeping by your head. Yeah, and also <laughs> the, the, the most amusing part of the earthquake happening was that I realised that all the preparation that I'd done, that you had to, you know, I'll give you my, your whistles, and you need to whistle, and you need to have your passport with you, that I hadn't actually given you any of the things. They were all in my bag, and I had no idea where they were. Now you tell me. <laughs> Jamie uh, heads up the connected church uh, side of things with Tierfund. Is that fair? Yeah. Have I just, have I, I, I just promoted I, yeah. you, demoted you, well, you? Yeah, one or the other. Um, yeah. So I kind of head up our relationship with churches um, in the, what we'd call the global north. Fantastic. So let me just pray for you and then leave you to Lord, we thank you for Jamie. We thank you for our friends at Tierfund. We thank you for all the incredible work that they're doing. We pray right now that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit upon him, that you would fill him with your presence. Lord, that um, you would give him uh, a word in season for us as a church. Lord, that you'd strengthen us and uh, equip us and mobilize us for the things that you have for us. I pray you'd be a blessing to him, as I'm sure he'll be a blessing to us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's so lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me, Neil. Um, I hope I'm not too much of a disappointment after Dan Raj um, couldn't be here. I absolutely loved traveling with Neil and Nathaniel also came to India and Nepal. A few years ago, I read an article that had an interview with an old Somalian man. And the Somalian man was, was asked to reflect on the difference between the Somalia that he grew up in as a young child and the Somalia of today. And he said this, he said, it's as different as heaven is from the earth. As different from heaven is from the earth. I don't know about you, but, but on a week like that, that sort of comment resonates with me a little bit because heaven can seem a long way from earth. A week where our country has, has seemingly been shaken where there's discord in communities between those that have and, and those that haven't, where there's discord between us and, and Europe, where there's discord within families even, where it feels that we face an uncertain future. I, I don't know you, but for the last two days, I've read pretty much every article I think that there's been written on the Europe crisis, and I, I, it doesn't make me feel any better. Heaven can seem a long way from earth. True too in the work that Tear Fund does around the world. When you go into the red light district of Mumbai, when you go in to a family that doesn't have enough to eat in the Sahel region of Africa, when you think about the refugee crisis that is facing the Middle East, heaven 
and see him a long way from earth. And it's why the words of Jesus, when he taught us to pray, are so important. Lord, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think it's a good prayer, and it's the only prayer that I've been able to say over in so many situations, and it's the prayer that I've come back to time and time again over these two days. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want to think today around the issue of human flourishing, what it means to flourish. As we take this journey, we're going to do some development thinking. Now, I'm aware that there are some tier funders here, um, some people that know more about development than I do in many ways. Um, so um, forgive me if you would. Um, we'll be tested, I'm sure, later. I'm now slightly regretting that Ruth has been off for a year, and the, the day she happens to be going back into the office is the day after I speak here. Um, so what I'm going to try and do is, is make you, by the end of this, development experts. And your test is that when Alice returns from, from holiday, I guess next week, whenever she comes back, that you can have a really great conversation with her about post-development thinking. Is that all right? So that's where we're going to go at the end. When Jesus began his ministry, he did so using the words of Isaiah 61. It's interesting, he didn't use the whole of the scripture, but everyone, as they were in the synagogue, when he started unrolling the scroll and started speaking, would have known the whole chapter. Like This is a really significant set of words. He said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The scripture goes on, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. I want to say this, that God's generosity, God's flourishing for those living in poverty, doesn't stop at the unlocking of the chains. My wife Lucy works in, in prisons and, and goes and works with with women prisons. 
And there will be a day where those women get to leave prison. But that day doesn't mean that the support needs to stop. You see, God wants those women to flourish. He wants all humanity to flourish. His vision is to get people to have life and life to the full. I first traveled to India. I met a young woman called Rupa. I think a photo of her will come up now. Rupa's story was like this. At the age of six, she was taken from her home by a trafficker. She's around six years old. She actually doesn't know the exact age because when a child is trafficked, they have no idea about their background. How are they meant to know when their birthday is? How are they they meant to know where they actually live? So she was taken around the age of six, maybe a little bit younger. She was taken to Mumbai. In Mumbai, Rupa went to work for a family. She told me how as the sun rose, she had to get up, and as the sun went down, she could stop work. But in that time, she had to keep working and working, cleaning and washing plates and doing lots of things for children. She said how she looked outside and she saw the other kids playing. And she said, I longed to be there. But I was forced to work. She said, I couldn't think that my life could get any worse. And a few years later, it did get worse. She was sold again to work into the red light district. I won't go into the details. But her life was awful. Every 30 seconds around the world, a child like Rupa is taken. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. If we had time, I'd, I'd go into her story and how transformation has, has taken place. But we haven't got time. I then travelled, having met her and, and others like her. I remember sitting in a group of about 20 young women, all with the same, similar story. And then we travelled to the north of India and met some of the parents who had let their children go. I met a lady, called, uh, or her son was called Ranjit. I don't know her name. Because I'd gone and I'd judged, and I was so angry with every single parent that in, was in the room going, how could you possibly have sold your child? I remember interviewing, my background is is in the BBC, so I did my best Jeremy Paxman interview style, and and these parents were sat around a small classroom, and I started on one side, tell me your story, how could you have not known, etc., etc., and I went through these these interview-type questions, judging, trying to to make sense in my head of of what was going on, and I got to Ranjit's moment, you know, the first thing that you do when you meet people living in poverty, actually the first thing you ever do is you ask people's names, don't you? 
What's your name? My name's Jamie. What's your name? I, I, I held them in such disdain. I didn't even bother asking their names. So I don't know this lady's name, but I know her son's name. And her son's name was Ranjit. And Ranjit was the same age as my son, Zephaniah, at the time, about six, seven years old. And I said, to her, I, I, I asked a different question. I've run out of other questions to ask. And I just, I just said to her, tell me what your son was like. And she started crying. And she said, these words I will never forget. He was my world. He was my world. And I suddenly thought of the story of Moses' mum. Who, because she thought her son was going to die, put him into a basket. And the story of Ranjit's mum is, is her husband was disabled. They had absolutely no, no money. They literally had pence to live on every month. And she thought that he had more chance of life if she sent him to a family that promised to look after him. As Christians, we want to respond, don't we? You know, we, we know that, that God says that justice and righteousness are the foundations of my throne. And there is nothing just or right about situations like Rupert's. There's nothing just or right about stories like Ranjit. And we want to do something. But sh what should that doing something look like? If I asked you what is poverty, the chances are that you probably talk about Material lack. So if you think of Ranjit's mum, what were the issues that she faced? The if you put poverty into Google, because that's what we do to find out about anything, isn't it? We go to Google. You get this definition. Poverty is general scarcity, dearth, or someone who lacks a certain amount of material possessions, or money. The reality is, for Ranjit's mum, she certainly had a material lack, like they had absolutely nothing. She didn't have enough food to feed her family. She couldn't afford to send Ranjit to school. And so when the trafficker came to her village, it, it sounded like good news. And if our definition of poverty is material lack, it makes sense that our response to poverty is to give things. Does that make sense? So actually, if someone is suffering and if someone is lacking and, and, and actually we've got plenty, then why don't we give them money? Why don't we give them you know, the, the, the ability to send their, their kids to school? In fact, why don't we build a school for them? Why don't we, why don't we sponsor them to go to school? Why don't we, we give them the cash and give them the clothes that they need and the food that we need? That, that makes absolute logical sense because what we see is that poverty is a lack of material things. We try and help. 
But what happens if our definition of poverty is wrong? What happens if actually when we think about poverty, we're describing the symptom and not actually the cause? It's important to think about this. You see, and I I realize that some of you have been doing a a course here called When Helping Hurts, and I, I use an illustration from that. But if we go to the doctor, just imagine that, that tomorrow morning that, that I wake up with these terrible, blinding headaches. But I, I can't do anything, and I, and I go to the doctor. And he says, oh yeah, it's terrible. And I, I just can't, I can't get up, I can't see hardly, and, and I don't know what I'm doing, and it's, it's a particular pain. He goes, yeah, um, you've got a headache and you need a paracetamol. Actually, by going and, and using that, I may have something much greater wrong with me. But if the doctor is treating the symptom, we've got a problem. His helping me may actually long-term hurt me. At Tear Fund, we believe that so many of our attempts to help people actually can hurt them. And what's more is it can hurt us in the process. You see, we believe this, that the heart of poverty is an issue of broken relationship. A broken relationship with God with our views of our, ourself, with others, and with creation. You see, in Ranjit's mum's perspective, she's part of a, a group of people that thought that they were the lowest of the low. She had been told that she, had been, she was rubbish all of her life, explicitly. You know, actually, poverty tells people that they're rubbish, either implicitly or explicitly. For her, it was explicitly. She thought that what was happening to her was actually something that God had ordained because of something she'd done wrong in a past life. She was the lowest of the low. She had a broken relationship with God. That led to self-esteem issues. Who am I? I can do nothing. I am worthy of nothing. She had a broken relationship with self. She didn't trust her neighbor. She didn't know who she could speak to. She had a broken relationship with others. And when she looked around her property, when she looked at herself, she thought she had absolutely nothing and could do nothing about her situation. She had a broken relationship with creation. And we might think that we're we're worthy here and we're okay, but I actually think, and Tearfun thinks that we have the same issues of broken relationship. It just comes out differently. So we come and we don't think that we need God. Like my, my first response when I looked at the news about Europe wasn't, wasn't to pray. It was actually to start looking at the articles and thinking, what can we do about this? We work as if there is no God. 
We have a high view of ourselves, not a low view of ourselves. Like We're amazing. We can do anything. We're too busy to know who our neighbor is. And we abuse and overuse creation. And when those two things come together, you've got even bigger problems. Because suddenly I give something and I feel good. And those that receive feel they're no good for anything and they have to rely on other people. And so when we deal with poverty, we've come to realize that the best thing that we can do is help restore relationships. And if we go back to the scripture of Isaiah 61, I think that is so godly because what God wants isn't for Ranjit's mom and others like her to be to be constrained by poverty all their life. No, they want, God wants them to become oaks of righteousness for his glory. That is something higher and it's something better. You know, those that we serve in, in the food bank here, does God want them to need to keep coming back to the food bank week by week, month by month? No, he wants them to flourish. And he wants the same for us too. He wants fullness of life. So what does that actually look like? Well, I want to to start thinking. This is where you learn something where when Alice returns, you have the ability to speak. I want everyone to go. Does most people know Alice here? Yeah, so when Alice comes back next week, this is like the thing you've got to do. I've just been thinking about post-development thinking, Okay. So I've just been thinking a bit about that. So post-development thinking says this. So in, in the years of development, we've done something like, okay, people are hungry, we give them fish. And then development thinking moved on and said, no, don't give them a fish, give them a fishing rod, teach a man to fish, then that's okay. They can look after themselves all of their life. But the problem is this, what happens if the fishing rod breaks? Um, actually, what happens if there's no water nearby? Or what happens if everyone's fishing? What happens if the person doesn't like fish? Actually, forget now the fishing rod. So development thinking's gone on, and it said, no, best development, best development is this, is use local resources to deal with local problems. Okay, so post-development theory says this. The best development is owned locally and uses local resources to deal with local problems. There's two issues. The first issue is this, is how do you find the local organization with whom to work? So this is like a useful bit of discussion when you come and, and speak to Alice next week. You know, there's a bit of a problem, isn't there? And the issue is you can't find the local organization. So lots of agencies are all on the same thinking. They go, well, how do we start this? And, and so they go into communities and they say, ah, oh, what we'll do is we'll set a group up and, and we'll start paying people to sit together around a group. So we could give them you know, the equivalent of maybe a few pounds a day and they can come into a group and then you've got a problem. Because at the very start of the process, you're putting external resources in when actually the thing is you've got to use local resources to deal with local problems. And the second issue that they face is, is and everyone faces, is what happens when you've got someone like Ranjit's mum who thinks she is absolutely and utterly rubbish? That however much you tell her that, that she has local resources to deal with her problems, she thinks that she is absolutely and utterly terrible. You see, Tearfund has realized the local church is the perfect answer to both of those things. You see, the local church 
exists pretty much in every community around the world. There, there are some where it, it's very difficult to exist, but in the vast majority of places, it either exists or you can get it there through church planting. And secondly, it goes in with a message that you're special. You've been created by God for a purpose and a plan. The local church is the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. And so as much of Tear Fund's work as, as possible is all now about how do we mobilize local churches to reach out into their communities and bring the good news of the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? How do we get this kingdom coming through his people, the local church? And there's a picture up next of, of a lady called Ishori. She's, she's, a, she's a pastor, Pastor Ishori. And, and we met her, in fact, when we're staying in the community. This is Pastor Ishori's community where we thought that there was an earthquake. And Pastor Ishori is this most amazing woman that Tear Fund and its partners have got alongside. She, she was, as a teenager, dealing with a terrible stomach complaint. And she thought that she was going to die. And one night, she woke up in a dream, and she saw a, a man in white clothes and a building. And she, she, she didn't know what it meant, and, and she wasn't a Christian, but she next day went and tried to find this building that she'd seen in, she, in her dreams. And, and she went into the building. She found it remarkably. And the building turned out to be a church. And in a moment, she was wonderfully healed as she went in there. She went back to her home community and she found two or three other Christians, underground Christians, who, who she said, let's start meeting together and let's start worshipping together. And they started worshipping together. And they started praying for their community. And they decided suddenly to become salt and light and stand up within their community. That cost them something. The community hated them. The, the church at one point was firebombed. When we met her, she had a church of, what, 100 or so people. She planted another church of 80 people in another community. 50% of the people that had come to faith had come through miracles. And as a church, they decided that they wanted to do something about trafficking in their community. You see, Children kept disappearing in their community. Women kept going. And they said, this is not right. This God of justice and righteousness, this is not right. And so they wanted to do something about it. They stood up and they prayed for his kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And they started thinking, what would it mean for our community? And what would it mean for individuals to flourish here? And so they started working out. They started by raising awareness of trafficking within their community, telling parents about the risk, getting people to look out for the victims of trafficking. Here's another story. This is a little girl called Mina. And Mina, if we can just go on to the next picture, a one before, I think, sorry, that girl. You can't see her for obvious reasons, but Mina was one of the first people I ever met in Nepal. And she was a six-year-old girl, and she'd been playing outside her home on a, in a community and she'd been grabbed by a stranger. She told me how she'd been dragged away and how she was scared and frightened and didn't know where the stranger was taking her. And he took her to the Indian-Nepal border, and you know where the story was going to go. It was going to be exactly the same as Rupa's story. And yet, because the church in that community where she ended up on the Indian-Nepal border had done some awareness raising within its community, someone spotted this little girl in distress with this man that had taken her, 
And because the church had been active in that community, they went up to the man and challenged him. And the man ran away and Mina is now safe. The local church standing between the trafficker and the would-be victim. Bringing life, bringing the kingdom of God. But not only are they raising awareness, but, but it sure is church is also reaching out into communities and helping people to, to, to learn what God has given them. It's, it's helping people restore their relationship, starting telling people about Christ. It's why the community, the, the organization is in trouble at the moment, because it's saying you've got, there's a different truth that we want to speak over you, a truth of light and life that, that you've got a God that cares for you. And it's going around and saying, you know, these things that you've, that you've believed about yourself, that you're rubbish, that you're no good for nothing, then actually there's a different truth that you might want to believe for yourself. This is a group of pig farmers. And this, the church has helped these ladies start up a pig farm to protect them, to protect their families, to say that there is a hope and a future. The story was amazing. So before the earthquake, the, the church had started this, this little pig cooperative with these ladies and taught them how to, to rear pigs. And they started pigs. I, I wish there was a, a photo. It's missed off here, and it's actually missed off the camera anyway. But to the, to the right of the lady in the red dress, there was another woman carrying a, a fairly young child. What, 18 months old, Neil, I would guess? And they told me how the, the business had started and how they'd learned to love one another and respect one another, how it had, had raised their self-expectations, how they had hope for a future, what their dreams were about setting up a big farm in their community. And I said, what happened when the earthquake struck them? And they said it was really, really bad. And then they pointed to this, this lady. They said, all of our houses were destroyed. And they said, you see this lady at the, at the, at the far left as they were sitting far right as we were facing. They said her house and our houses were all destroyed and she was feeding her baby when the earthquake struck. And the, the house came down on them. But we realized what had happened and she said, they said because we had learned to love one another, restoring relationships with others, we all went up and we got her out of the house. And then we realized that she was most in need. So we rebuilt her home. And then we started on this lady's house. And then on this lady's, and then on this lady's, and this on lady, this lady's, until all the houses were restored. The kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Restoring relationships with God, self, others, and, cre and creation. And how does it happen? Not by giving people handouts, but getting the local church to draw alongside people and giving them a different message. Our role as the people of Christ is to bring a message of hope. Our role as the local church, is to bring his kingdom. Light and life to individuals. There is nothing like the local church. It's the hope of the world. It's the hope of the world. In a few of the pockets, and I, I ask this because I ask it for people like Mina and, and others, there are some of these little leaflets and for some of you, it's right that you give to Tearfund. 
We need people to stand with us. Stand with the local church. Empower people to change their lives. It costs around, to give you an idea, to, to change someone's life, it costs around £12 per person. That's really low-cost stuff. Because all you're doing is creating and providing facilitators to take communities through processes with the local church. If you're interested, just fill in your name and address on this form. Give it to me, give it to Ruth at, at the end of the session, and, and we'll take it back to the office, and someone will call you and tell you more. But beyond that, how can we bring the kingdom of God here on earth? How can we help restore relationships? Empower people. What does it mean to flourish? What does it mean for you to flourish and this community to flourish? Father, we just pray that you would speak to us. That you would show us how to be the sowers of your kingdom. Even in this time, Lord, may we be the bearers of hope in our nation. The bearers of your kingdom in your name. Amen. Amen. Jamie, thank you. A round of applause for Jamie, please. Yeah.